Good morning again. This morning I'll be talking about something that we all need to listen to. As with all of our sermons here, when we're preaching these sermons, we're preaching to ourselves as well. Because we're all human and we all have the same problems. Today's lesson is about going the second mile. And that's very hard for us. I know in high school, uh, you can't tell it by looking at me now, but I was actually a runner. Um, I was on a cross country and track team. And I ran the mile, and I did pretty good, uh, a little under five minutes, which by these days, that's not too good in high school. They're, they're running 430s, I think. But I decided to switch to the two-mile run. And it was a big difference, uh, because I tried to run it like a one-mile run, and um, didn't work. It took me quite a while to learn to pace myself. So we know that in the first century, the Romans could force the Jews to carry their goods uh, for one mile or some fixed distance uh, because it was the law and they had to live under that law. But after the Jews had carried the goods of, say, the Roman soldiers for that distance, they were allowed to have some relief because they were humans. That's as far as they could go. And it wasn't efficient for one thing. So we have an example of this, uh, which we're pretty much familiar with. In Luke chapter 23, in verse 26, it's when Jesus was carrying the cross. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrian, or Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. So that was to give him some relief. Of course, they even made him carry his own cross. But Jesus, through this, taught us how Christians should be willing to go a second mile. The scripture that was read to us, Matthew 5, 39 through 41, we see three examples of ways we can go the second mile. The first example, Jesus tells us not to resist, not to resist or oppose an evil person. And he gives us an example. He says that if they strike on the right cheek, then we should turn our left cheek. And we need to understand a little bit about that. It's not such a simple thing. In the first century, this was quite an insult if you strike someone on the right cheek. And most people would not tolerate that. It was very much an insult. And so they're going to retaliate. But Jesus tells us not to retaliate. Don't get revenge. Instead, turn your other cheek to them as well. And the second example in this passage, he tells us that as an example of the first mile, or the first step you might say, if someone sues you and you take the time, or, or they take your tunic, or take your money, 
then you should give them your cloak as well. Now, how many of us would do that today? I think I would have trouble with that. Of course, giving them your cloak would be the second mile. And again, he has the idea here of not resisting this evil person. You're a Christian. This is how you should behave. You're an example. The third example, if someone forces you to go one mile, then go two. So in all three examples, you're going beyond the first mile, and that next step is, is the second mile. But we're not going to talk about things like that today. We're going to look at other ways you can go the second mile. And one of those is Bible study. We don't think about the second mile in Bible study. But 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The first mile, or the first step, is Bible study. We know that Paul wanted Timothy to study God's word so that he would know what it says and be able to use this knowledge to combat false doctrine. And every Christian should do this. They should be studying God's word to learn more about him and his wonderful love that he has for us. And to make sure that we are living lives that are acceptable to him. Unfortunately, there are many Christians today who are not doing that. They don't even go this first mile. There are so many churches out there that are slowly but surely moving away from the word of God. And we have to be really careful about that, don't we? Especially here during our time without elders, without a minister. All of you should be listening to everything that is said here. And if something that is said bothers you, you don't think is what we should be saying, not according to God's will, you should always tell us. But some of these churches are starting to base their worship on how they feel and how they think. Whatever will draw more people. We know that's not right. Some are moving more to the entertainment business. Instead of having, or instead of hearing a sermon from the word of God, you'll hear a lesson that comes from all kinds of little neat stories. And there's nothing wrong with the stories, but you don't want to make your entire sermon based on those stories and maybe use only one or two verses of scripture during your sermon. Not a good thing, but you're seeing more of that. Hopefully not here. But the reason this happens is that people are making themselves the center of worship. And not God. So they're not embracing the first mile of Christianity. And apparently they were having these problems during the first century. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. 
For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need some to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is not a babe, or for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So there's this great danger in not growing in your knowledge of the Lord. Brethren, you need to get yourselves and your children here for Bible classes. It's how we learn. Very important. Hebrews 2, 1 tells us, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So a Christian must be willing to go the first mile before they can ever hope to make the second mile. We also find this described in 2 Timothy 2.1. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Timothy, Paul did not only want Timothy to study the word, he wanted him to teach it as well and commit it to other faithful people. That's how the word is spread. They're going to teach others. And of course, the best way you can teach is by example. 1 Timothy 4, 12. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So this is what we are to do as Christians today. Don't just study God's word. We need to live it by being examples and by teaching it whenever we have an opportunity. Another area where we can go the second mile is in worship. Let's look at the first mile. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts 20 verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. And I promise I won't do that. <laughs> but in the first century, that was not uncommon. Every Christian should meet on the first day of the week to worship God. We should not look at this as something that we have to do, but as something that we can and want to do. 
And it's very good that you are here today. There's so many other places you could be. And you've chosen the place that you should be. And that you want to be. But there are a lot of Christians who do not embrace this first mile or the first step in Christianity because many will choose not to attend the services and will only show up once a month or two or three times a year or for some kind of social gathering. And people who don't attend regularly simply don't have their priorities right, do they? They only come when they feel a need for a little religion. Or maybe they want to see their old friends. And this is not just a problem today. It was a problem in the first century. Hebrews 10.24 tells us. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's how we're to be. And we really need to think, when Christians decide to neglect the church, which Jesus purchased with his own blood, we miss out on so many wonderful opportunities to worship God and encourage our brothers. It's encouraging when you're here to everyone and to you to encourage our brothers and our sisters. And we miss the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper and to give of our means. And these are commandments from God. So we must strive to do these things for the first mile, the first mile of Christianity. If we're going to come close to the second mile of Christianity, which is found in Matthew 6:33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It can't be any clearer than that, can it? Not only are we to assemble with the saints on the first day of the week, we are to challenge ourselves to put God's kingdom first in every aspect of our life. It's not easy. Nobody said it would be easy. But think about the reward. This life is temporary. It's very short. So this would include making it to Bible class. I'm going to keep talking about that. So just plan on coming. We come because we can learn more about God's word and learn how to worship him in spirit and in truth. We will do our best to be involved with the church and the many activities, the many activities that we could have if we had more of you here. And you're able to spread the word by learning the word. Now Paul also speaks of some of the Christians who went the extra mile. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 3 and 4. 
For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they are freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. There's so many benefits to being around your brethren. Notice they gave beyond their ability. And we're not talking monetarily. You all have abilities to do many works. And we need those. And so many of you are doing those. So many good things are happening here. But we could do so much more. As we talked about Bible school, it's coming up very soon. And we have so many wonderful children here. So many new children and new young couples and some couples are going to have children. So let's make it a really wonderful Bible school this year. Well, moving on, another area where we can go the second mile. Sin. And I don't mean uh, you can commit some really big sins by going the second mile. It's not what I'm going to say. Now, the first mile is found in Luke or in John I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. So that's our first step. Every Christian should rejoice in the fact that God loved us enough that he provided a way that we can have our sins forgiven. God knows that we are going to fall short because we're human from time to time not not human from time to time but we fall short from time to time um, but thanks to the wonderful grace that he offers us through his son's death on the cross once we become a Christian if we want to be forgiven we simply repent confess the sins to God and our sins will be forgiven and forgotten very important. As we find in Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And the key word there is boldly. We serve a God who tells us this will happen and it will happen. We don't have to worry about it. So... While this is a wonderful blessing that every Christian has access to, some, to this, some Christians fail to embrace the grace of God. Some are too prideful. They're too prideful to humble themselves before God. They don't want to admit that they've sinned, but we all have. And some are just not ready to give up the sins that they're engaged in. But we need to realize that this is a very dangerous game to play. Because we know that sin separates us from God and it separates us from spiritual death, which is the worst death. So the second mile that Christians should work toward is found in Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall, we who, how shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? So he's saying that you and I should forsake the sin 
that we died to when we were baptized, the more we grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord by being here, the less we're going to sin. So it's easy for us as Christians to get the mindset that we can sin every day and the sins will just go away. But we have to not live that way. It's a very dangerous mindset. Romans 6.15 tells us, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So you have a choice, don't you? That's what's wonderful about our God. We're not robots. We can choose. And if we want to have eternal life, we choose righteousness. In Matthew 6, 24, we see no one can serve two masters. And we know this, don't we? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. So we should have the attitude of David in Psalms 101.3. I will set nothing Wicked before my eyes, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. That's hard today, isn't it? There's so many wicked things that are so easy to have access to. Another area, forgiveness. The first mile is found in Luke 17.3. Take heed to yourselves if your brother sins against you. Rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So the first mile is forgiving. This is something that we as Christians have an awfully difficult time doing, don't we? If a person does you wrong and just tears up inside and makes you feel like you have aged or 10 years, I'm sorry, you tear up inside because this horrible thing they did to you or to your loved ones, sometimes that's worse, isn't it? Someone does something to your children. But this passage teaches us that if someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, you have to forgive them. Even if they do it repeatedly. And it's the Christian thing to do, isn't it? It's a difficult thing. But we must understand that God is not asking us to do something that he was not willing to do. Just think about that. You and I are sinners. What do we deserve? We deserve the wrath of God, don't we? 
We, we certainly do. But, and this is the attitude we should have, God loves us. And because of his wonderful grace, he's provided us a way to have our sins removed. Once we've obeyed the gospel and been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, we have his forgiveness. And all we have to do is repent, confess our sins to God, and we will be forgiven no matter how many times we sin after we become a Christian. The second mile of forgiveness, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. He said, no, up to 70 times seven. So if God is willing to do that, to forgive our sins over and over again, then why shouldn't we be expected to do that as well? Matthew 6.14 tells us, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Ah, we have to do it too, don't we? But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty clear. And then finally, love. Our first smile from Matthew 5:43. You have earned, you have heard that it was said, "You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." And this is something that's really easy to do, isn't it? Love your neighbor and hate your enemy um, requires no work at all. Even non-Christians are able to do that. But the second mile. In Matthew 5, 44, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Have any of you ever tried that? If someone is constantly harassing you, and what, have you ever tried being nice to them and see the effect of that? It works. And if you do it enough, it'll change their direction. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. I hope there are no tax collectors in here because... This time of year, um, that example gets used a lot. But here we have another, another excellent example of how Christians are different. And we've got to remember, we are different in the world. How we're supposed to go beyond what most people are willing to do. It's easy to love your friends, but loving your enemies is another story. So God is not asking us to do something that who is not willing to do. But notice in those verses, the sun rose on the good and the evil. And the rain he sent on the just and the unjust. So we don't get any special treatment. This is available for everyone. 
everyone in the world. And we're supposed to help spread that. And by being examples and being here, we're prepared for that. So this morning we've looked at several points and examined how as Christians we need to strive to not only go the first mile, which is good, it's more than a lot of people do, but we've got to go the second mile. And God has left us many examples of how we're to do that and how we can help others because God wants everyone to be with him in heaven, and so do we. So if you're having difficulty as a Christian in going that second mile, or maybe you're having difficulty even going the first mile, remember, you are amongst your loved ones here. And if you need to have the prayers of the church, this would be the perfect opportunity for you to come forward. If you've never become a Christian, you don't have the opportunity uh, to be in heaven until you obey the gospel. This is the perfect opportunity. Why would you wait any longer? We ask whatever your needs are that you come forward as we sing the invitation song. <laughs>